Tonight's reading is taken from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 10, and can be found on page 1,218 of the Church Bibles. Starting at verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people... But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thank you very much indeed. I really appreciate so much the warmth of the welcome here. And uh, it's really great to be uh, with you. And uh, I particularly also want to thank uh, the Lord for, for Pastor Phil, Reverend Phil, Uh, Our friendship is ever so special to me and uh, it's really great how we're able to get together from time to time and just uh, share all sorts of different issues and uh, that is just immensely valuable. The passage that we've read is one of the pictures of the church and I would like just to quickly show uh, a few slides, very, very quick, to remind us that the church is not just uh, in one country, it's right across the nations. The first one is Bosnia. I have there this uh, wonderful friend called Jelko. He's a Croat, but he moved to Bosnia, which is a much poorer country compared to Croatia, where he was born. But God's just used him. He's planted churches in Bosnia, and uh, he's also involved in churches in Macedonia, in Serbia, and uh, obviously has a link back home with Croatia. So it's tremendous to see the church growing in in a place like uh, the Balkan countries, which, of course, fairly recently experienced a lot of upheaval in fighting war. It's always very challenging. The first time I went out to to, uh, Bosnia to be driving down a road, and they said, only a year or two ago, British bombers would be dropping bombs on the very road that you were going down. I was very grateful they weren't doing it when I was there. Okay, and next, uh, Congo. I've just highlighted Congo. Congo, again, is an incredibly challenging place, but uh, it's great how Pastor Isaac is serving God in that particular country. Uh, These days, because of things like WhatsApp, I can get sort of uh, visual contact as well as hearing his voice, as well as seeing him from time to time. But uh, he and his wife, Mary, they serve the Lord, obviously many others, but they serve the Lord in Congo. 
And I was really encouraged. I was asking you to pray about others coming to help. And uh, I was preaching at a church in Mitcham, an Elim church in Mitcham, uh, two, three months ago. And a young man came up to me at the end of the service and said, you know, you've been sharing a number of countries that I have a burden for. Is there some way that I can help you? Well, I'd, I'd known him for 15 years. He was a, a mere lad when I first was going there. But he came, we had this conversation, and he was born in the Congo. And it's just fantastic because uh, if any of you have tried to get into the Congo, it's a nightmare to get visas. And he, of course, as a Congolese, won't have that problem. Okay, and next, uh, Ecuador. Uh, again, the, the church uh, in Ecuador is growing. It's a very, very uh, interesting Ecuador. You can be in one part in mountainous areas, volcano-like areas, and you can be very cold, and you can be down south Guayaquil, and you're in jungle, and you can be extremely hot. But now we've been able to visit just about all of the areas that Antonio has churches and uh, it's very exciting how a church in the USA that has become linked with Lansing Tab is also linked with Living Hope and they sent a couple just recently to work with Antonio in Ecuador and I was able to stay at home. So that was very, very good. Okay, and next, Malawi. Now I know uh, you have an interest in Malawi and we have in Malawi, Pastor Aubrey. He's quite a, an amazing man. He uh, planted a church here in the Blantyre area. And then after a year, he said, please, I've seen God move so powerfully through the word, I would love to go to another village and plant a church. And so we said, okay, you go and do that. And again, we started to bring ministry through the telephone and he saw that church start to grow and develop. And then the year after, he said, well, uh, it's all going so well. Could I go to yet another country? And here he is at the moment. I spoke to them yesterday. And uh, again, it's just very, very exciting to see people turning from witchcraft, turning from worshipping ancestral spirits, uh, leaving Islam, coming to Christ. The church, the uh, built on the foundation of Jesus, that royal priesthood, that chosen people, chosen nation. This is all part of the church of Jesus. And I think there might be one more. Pakistan. Well, again, one continues to thank God for a man like Rashid. I shared with you about Rashid when I first uh, came uh, some years ago. But I, I like the vision of this man. He's looking for five people to help him carry the work because his own work has grown so vast and he's looking for 50 Bible schools, 50 Bible centers. Now sometimes some of our friends do have fantastic vision but uh, the reality of how you can bring that vision into practice is a bit of a challenge. But it's good to say there is a church in Pakistan. Despite all the troubles, despite all the deaths, and all the hatred and all of the things that we hear, the church of Jesus is flourishing. It's moving. Things are happening. People are coming to Christ. Their lives are being changed. And even though they know they'll face persecution, they say, we're going to hang on to Christ. 
Is, is there one more or is that it? Oh, there is Romania. Oh, I put this one in because I was asked, uh, Phil asked me about Romania. I thought you could just see, this is our main contact, Pastor Ayun, and uh, it's his wife, Phoebe, it's his daughter, Linda. All right, let's come back to the passage that was read to us in 1 Peter chapter 2, and uh, we're, we're going to share now on that, and I'll just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your church worldwide. We thank you for the many expressions of the body of Christ. We thank you for all who really love and honor you, Lord Jesus, as the only Savior, only God, the one who came to rescue us, the one who lives and reigns forever. And as we just share about who we are and how we are part of that great plan of yours, we ask that you will help us. Father, please help us as we listen. Help us to uh, not be distracted. Help us to hear what you are saying. And Father, please help me to speak what's on your heart for your people here now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, one of the things that we notice straight away in this passage is that Peter really does have a favorite word. Uh, when my wife is listening to me preach, she will often tell me that I seem in the sermon to have had a favorite word. She'll say, you use that word so many times. And uh, I'm not necessarily conscious. She also tells me that I make up words sometimes. But uh, that's another matter. But what we do see in these verses is that Peter really does like the word precious. Uh, it's something that is very significant, precious. Now, in chapter 1, which I know we're not looking at in any detail, but in chapter 1, he's talked about the precious blood of Jesus. And, of course, that's fundamental to the church. There wouldn't be a church if Jesus had not shed his precious blood. Now, we also see, as we go into the verses that were read to us, that Jesus is precious to God. And that's always important to understand. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Sometimes we can say that so quickly that we forget that it was an incredibly wonderful thing that the father did. The father had one son, a very, very precious son. And he allowed that son to come into the world knowing what would happen to him, knowing the whole story Jesus, incredibly precious to the Father, released into this earth, into this sinful environment, into the hands of evil men who would take him and put him to death. Jesus truly is precious to the Father. We also see in the verses that he is precious because he is the cornerstone. The cornerstone, the absolute chief stone, the foundation stone. When you talk about a cornerstone from a, a building perspective, you're talking about something that is essential. Things are built to it. And in fact, the way other things relate are all because of the link they have with the cornerstone. And as far as we're concerned, we can only be the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ if he is our cornerstone, he is our foundation stone. Everything about us 
is rooted and grounded in the reality of who he is. This is such a precious thing and and Peter's going to bring this out a little later when he talks about uh, we're a royal priesthood. We have this incredible joy that each of us has access to God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do respect ordained uh, clergy. We do respect those who have a call on their lives, who are released to serve us and to bless us in the body of Christ. But we're also so grateful that we are able to come to Jesus ourselves. Uh, those who uh, lead us can help us, they can encourage us, they can be an example for us. But we have our own way of coming to God, we have our own direct line to God because we have the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is that precious cornerstone and without him the building collapses. Without him there is no life. Again, Peter is using this sort of a strange thing, isn't he? He's talking about stone. He's talking about living stone. And uh, the, the, the fact that Jesus has all the qualities of strength and power, and yet at the same time, he's not a dead stone. He is alive. He is dynamic. And he makes a difference to us. Which is where the fourth reference of Peter to precious comes in, he is precious to us as believers. Of course we understand he's precious to God, God the Father giving his Son. Of course we can see that he's precious as that cornerstone, that one who God the Builder builds upon and things relate to him and to him alone. He is the foundation. But because of all this wonderful work of God, he has become very precious to us. We value Jesus. We value him highly. We value him so that we worship him. We love him. We will lay down our lives for him. We will follow him. We want to obey him because he's precious to us. If we understand how precious he is, the more precious he becomes, the more we're able to surrender and submit to him that which he requires. It's not hard to give to someone who you value so much. We need increasingly to value and appreciate our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we as living stones, we who've been touched by the life of God, the life of Jesus, we who were dead in our sins, far from God, we've been made alive We've been brought into the kingdom of God. We've been brought into relationship with God. We relate to God, but we also relate together. Because Peter is really building a different picture of the temple. The temple, of course, was a very, very valuable building to the Jewish people. It was something that they had great respect for. It was something that they had carefully constructed in history Uh, according to a plan that God gave them with materials that God ordained should be used in this part and that part. It wasn't haphazard. It wasn't just sort of a last-minute job. It was very carefully, meticulously put together. And now Peter is saying, it's true to say that uh, you can picture the bride, the bride of Christ, as a picture of the church in Christ, You can picture the idea of an army, the army of God, God's people coming together 
to uh, overcome and to re-establish, uh, as it were, to present the victory of Christ into the world. Uh, there are pictures, the body of Christ, just that sense that uh, just as we have many members, we have our hands, our feet, and all the other parts. That's another picture of the church. But Peter, he obviously has a Jewish background, and uh, the temple is important. And he's wanting to say to us, you are God's temple. You are living stones. You are the place where the glory of God is able to be present and to be known. Now this morning we touched just a little bit on Solomon. And uh, we talked about the fact that uh, the temple was filled with the glory of God. And God wants to fill his church with his glory living stones, each one of us in relationship to Jesus, the chief cornerstone. We live for him, we relate to him, and the glory of God is able to inhabit us. And that's really very, very powerful. That's really quite electric, as it were. This sense that people can discern Christ among us. That's what it's all about. It's not that people feel that, well, you're just a different club to another club down the road. You just have this interest and someone else has that. It's much, much deeper than that, isn't it? As the people of God gathered in the name of Jesus, built on the foundation which is Christ and Christ alone, we have God with us. The presence of God, even among us tonight, is powerful. It is life-changing. Jesus lives among his people. We are his temple. We are the place where his glory comes and dwells. And we long that we experience that in deeper and fuller ways. But then Peter goes on to identify some uh, titles, some descriptions of the church, the body of Christ, which are very significant because many of them apply to the Jewish nation. Now, I don't want to get into great detail about this, but there are some who would go as far as to say that there is a replacement theology, that the Jews just don't matter anymore, and uh, now it's all about the church. I don't think that's what he's saying here. But he certainly is emphasizing that people who've come into relationship with Jesus Christ as their saviour, are a very unique and special people. The Jews, of course, uh, they were very fond of being known as being a chosen people. But the church is a chosen people. We have been chosen before the foundation of the world. Now, again, I I don't really want to get tonight into all the sort of uh, uh, intricacies of predestination and things like that, but we certainly know that God has his plans, God knows everything and we have been chosen in order that we might make his name known even as the passage here says. That's part of being chosen. We've been chosen for a purpose to reflect him, to reveal him to others and there is something obviously very wonderful about being chosen. If you have been chosen for a special task chosen for a particular award or something like that, you you would say, that's an honour, that's a privilege. How is it that I've been chosen? 
but we are able to say we are a chosen people. God set his heart upon us. We are his workmanship. We have been created. In fact, that means we are his masterpiece. We are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. I was commenting this some minutes ago, but uh, let's just return to it briefly. We are a royal priesthood. This means that as the people of God, each one of us is able to approach God and to seek his face without fear. We can come into the very throne room of God. We can come before God as we are under the covering of the blood of Jesus. We come by the grace of God, but we enter his presence. We have our advocate. We have our high priest. His name is Jesus. And we are able to come and minister to him. Peter, in saying this, of course, is introducing something that to uh, the Jewish people, the Jewish believers, would be quite radical because what he's saying is up until now you have seen just men as having a particular situation or standing. But this is making it very clear that all have a standing with God because of Jesus. Men and women are priests unto God in the sense that we can come into his presence, we can offer praise, we can offer worship. And when he talks about spiritual sacrifices, we know that he's moving us away from animal offerings and things like that. What he's actually saying is we can come and we can intercede for others. I believe that's one of the most precious priestly ministries that as believers we all have we can call upon God, we can seek God, and we can pray for others. And as a royal priesthood, those that can are going to gather and they're going to pray for Andrew tonight. They will exercise, we will exercise that priestly ministry. We believe that God is able to move and work. We believe he hears us and we can come with boldness before him. It's very important to to grasp the wonder that I am a priest before God, I can minister to him and he can minister to me. We are in relationship together in this, a royal priesthood. The royalty clearly is all about Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the royal one. He is the one who bids us come. And he sympathizes with our weaknesses. He calls us to dwell in his presence and to enjoy him and to share the gifts that he gives us with the body of Christ. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a people who belong to God. We are a people who have a distinctive. When you move around the nations, you're aware of certain cultures You're aware of certain habits. Uh, There's all sorts of things that can be unique and special about a, a nation. But what is special about us is simply Jesus. He is our king. He is the one that we serve under. We are a holy nation. We are all united wherever we are, whatever part of the world, whatever food we eat, 
whatever temperature we handle in terms of day and night, whatever the environment, we are the same nation. We belong to Jesus. And it's so precious to experience that among the body of Christ. One of the joys that I have is when I'm in a different setting with different people with different languages and uh, I don't speak their languages. I, I don't speak hardly any language except Norfolk, which uh, you may just pick up every now and again, a little twang from East Anglia. But uh, what happens when you're in the presence of God's people, when you're part of that holy nation, is that you sense the presence of God. And that's a great joy. I, I don't know what they're singing very often. I can't understand uh, what their exhortations are when they seem to get incredibly excited or even look a little bit miserable. I don't quite know what's going on. But what I can sense, God is there. God is in the midst of them. God is with his people, a holy nation. Peter sums it up really by saying, we are God's own possession. To belong is so, so important. We meet in life, don't we, a number of times people who don't feel they belong. They don't feel that anyone really cares for them. They don't feel they fit. But that should never be true in the body of Christ. We are all God's precious chosen possession. We belong to him. And because God looks at us in that way, you belong to me. You're precious to me. Coming back to what we shared right at the beginning. I shed, the precious blood of my son was shed so that you could be saved. He's a precious cornerstone. He's precious and when you came to know him, you became precious. You are precious. You are valuable. Your life is worth something. You are not just making up the numbers. In the body of Christ, you are unique. There is no one else like you. And we probably say, well, that's a good thing. But uh, nevertheless, we are unique, we are special. But we all are God's people, God's possession. But the wonderful thing about being God's possession is that he loves us so much, he doesn't use us, he doesn't abuse us. He doesn't push us around, you belong to me, so I'm going to get you to do this, that and the other. It's not like that. This relationship from our loving God is releasing us to be the best that we can be. And so we see that uh, Peter, having given these uh, exhortations about the preciousness of Christ, as he's talked about being a living stone founded on Christ the cornerstone, as he's given this, these powerful, wonderful descriptions of what it means to be part of the body of Christ, the building of God, the temple that he is building, then we read, you are God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. As God's people, who are we? We are those that belong to him founded on the rock that is Christ, the cornerstone that is Christ. And we are proclaimers. doesn't mean you won't have to stand in a pulpit, but we are proclaimers. We are witnesses. 
we speak out this glorious truth. Once we were in darkness, once we were spiritually dead, once we were far from God, once we were on a road to eternal destruction. But that's not true anymore. Now, we belong to him, we live with him, he's our saviour, he's our friend, he's forgiven our sins, he's given us a purpose in life, and he's given us a body of people to work out our Christian faith. It's not just me and Jesus and no one else, it's ourselves and the Lord Jesus and the whole body of Christ building together, drawing strength and encouragement from one another. And above all, as we individually build and strengthen our relationship with Jesus, that's what rubs off on your brothers and sisters. It's not just your personality. It's not just your looks. It's the fact that you've been with Jesus that uh, brings a refreshment to those around you. We're all walking with Jesus. Amen.